everybody. That was inspiring. I'll tell you one thing. That's all right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> oh, my. Would you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8? We want to talk about uh, some things regarding your spirit on this weekend where we celebrate freedom. And um, I, I am increasingly thankful for uh, the ways that God has blessed our country. And in an age when so many are trying to rewrite the history of this country or to malign um, events that occurred based upon current standards, uh, I, I'm, I just want to stand here with you and say, thank you, Father, for your blessings. And all across this country today, there are groups that are meeting that are stating that they want to damn America. In fact, I was watching um, the news from Tucson, and there's a big gathering in the park today where they're using an obscene word to the, 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 enti the title of the, not, not Teresa and her group, but the, 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 the people there are, are really damning America and using an obscene word to do it. So um, in the midst of all of that, wicked faller all, we, we declare the blessing of the Lord, and we declare thanks to the Lord. <clears throat> I've, I've been watching um, some uh, historical programs that uh, are, are airing on Fox Business right now about the Declaration of the Independence and the, the Revolutionary War, and I, and I saw recently one that Ken Burns produced on Benjamin Franklin, which was really fascinating, and it just pointed out to me among so many things, so many interventions of the Lord, uh, that um, our French allies, um, God providently brought us together with them. Because if we had not had them and the uh, millions of dollars that they forwarded to us behind the scenes and then prominently, and after the Battle of Saratoga, when we won that battle, they came officially and became our allies, and without their fleet bottling up uh, Cornwallis at Yorktown and without uh, so many of their 10,000-plus troops, uh, we, we may not be able to kneel at, uh, <laughs> at the Star-Spangled Banner. We'd be still singing God Save the Queen. But um, I'm so grateful for the blessing of the Lord here. And, you know, it's kind of funny, and I'll say this, and we're going to get into the Word. Uh, Kelsey Grammer is narrating this series. You know, he has that really deep voice, very calming. And sometimes when I'm listening to it, I think, now, is this Cheers, or is this the Frasier program, or is this Sideshow Bob, or <laughs> who is it that's talking here? I mean, you think at any moment, you say, Bart, <laughs> you know, you slide one of those in. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's okay. I just encourage you to give thanks to the Lord this weekend for his blessings and continue to do that. And I'm so grateful for all of these wonderful words that uh, express the way God's moving among you. Take, take heart. There really is great favor. And God is not finished doing the things that he has said he's going to do. I mean... Some of the greatest miracles we've ever known here 
um, were very intricate and very um, kind of in ways, mysterious ways that God moves in and suddenly something happens and then you look back and you say, well, God, you did this and you did this and I didn't even declare and decree that, but yet you did it anyway. And, and so I just continue to speak blessing over each of you that the favor of the Lord is mightily upon you and upon this house. And in, in fact, I told you to turn to Romans 8, but I, I thank you, Father, that you're covering this place and that your angels are standing guard and no weapon formed against us will prosper. Uh, whatever is forged against us for evil, you're turning to the good. I thank you, Father, that uh, Psalm 2, which you gave us as a rhema word last week, is prominently being depicted, no matter what the enemy might try to do to try to deceive or to uh, countermand the order. You know, if the enemy comes in one way, he's fleeing in seven. And I thank you for your blessing, your calling upon this people. So I, I ask that you just watch over all of these precious folks. Uh, bless our Saints Network family. And uh, thank you, Father, for guarding over this terrio. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we want to talk about freedom today. And as I said, the third time now, Romans 8, let's read verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, Otos, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, we want to look at this in perhaps a way that's a bit different from what we have traditionally, the, the way, the lens through which we have traditionally viewed this. And we want to do so uh, based upon what God's been showing us about His Spirit within us. And we've had many different passages of Scripture that, the, the, that God has guided us to that speaks about what God deposited into each of us, that gift of spirit that then becomes born again through Christ Jesus, and then what the responsibilities we, what responsibilities we have in exercising that born-again spirit and allowing it to pray and commune in the Holy Ghost and in diversities of tongues and to gain affection and understanding and all the other things and more that are yet to come that God's been showing us about this. So we want to view these passages, I believe, um, honestly, from that perspective. Uh, and I, I do believe that when we talk particularly at verse 15, it's describing that spirit within us. And each of us has that. And when, we, uh, when it's appointed for us to die, we will surrender that spirit back to God, just as Jesus did when he died on the cross. Um, but look at this. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. What does that mean? Well, interestingly, the spirit of bondage 
we might easily, very, very clearly say that it truly says a spirit that is affected by bondage or a spirit that is being um, dominated by bondage. And what is bondage? We often say that it's slavery. Well, in essence, that's the end result of it. But when you look at this word, the, the spring point of it is what happens when a person in, in I, I know there's still slavery today, but what happens when a person is removed from their surroundings, their, their home, what they're used to, and, and then they're taken away in captivity to another place? That's the essence of this spirit of bondage. Now, you extrapolate off of that as to what happens then in, in their life as being a slave. But when we talk here about the spirit of bondage, it's speaking about estrangement, first of all. It's speaking about being a citizen of another place or, an, uh, or an, uh, uh, your identity belonging to a certain household or a certain city or a certain family. And then you are removed from that. You are removed from that. And that feeling of separation, that feeling of lost identity, and that's a key point, is perhaps the worst part of what it would be to be a slave. Now, if, if it's multi-generations of slavery, and perhaps those... Um, those uh, those very difficult moments where people don't even know what their identity is. Um, that's, that's a different factor here. But this spoke more of, in the ancient culture, when a kingdom would attack another kingdom, and this happened in, in Israel um, when they rebelled, and God led them away in captivity. And that feeling of estrangement, that feeling that, that you know, I'm really supposed to be there, but I'm over here against my will. That's the essence of bondage. Now, yes, it is regularly. If you look at your commentaries, it's going to talk about slavery. And that's true. That's the end result of it. But you don't get there without that extraction and that separation and that um, disconnect from your heritage, from even in many cases your language from your identity. And so it says here that we should not allow ourselves to receive again that type of condition in our spirit. And, you know, if you look at what Paul writes and other uh, authors under the anointing of the Spirit, they will talk about how that we're separated in the world, separated from God. Paul mentioned that a number of times, you know, carried away to dumb idols and that kind, of, that kind of thing. And what Paul says here is make sure that the very thing that Jesus redeemed you from, don't allow that estrangement in your spirit to occur. Don't allow that separation between what God gave you that to enjoy to occur. And it it carries on then into the end result of that or a result of that would be fear. This is phobos, 
We're going to talk about another type of fear regarding spirit in just a moment. But this is, to me, you know, we've talked about phobos. We've talked about phobia. And, and the essence of this really is that if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you're called to be and you don't know what you're called to do and you feel powerless, you, you don't have a sense of identity, then you feel helpless, and you're always looking around wondering what's coming at me next because you have no power base. You have no strength. Perhaps even you have no commitment. And Paul then, we'll talk about that more in just a second, but Paul then goes from there and says, but what have you received? The spirit of adoption. Now, we've linked that with, and the spirit caused us to do it, with the spirit of holiness. Do you realize that adoption here is a combination of two words? The first is huios, which is sons. The second is tetheme. That's the spirit of adoption. That is what your spirit should be in God. That you are called to be a son. And that you are being entrusted by God from, from his place in heaven to represent him in giftings and capacities that he's given to you. Because remember, tetheme is a word that is used to describe ordination, its beginning points. But the base is what's, what's established in the thesaurus in heaven. And so the spirit of adoption really, when you put it beside the first part of this verse, he's saying God has called you to be a son. That's what his spirit is, is, is hoping will be you will become, you will accept and grow into, and that you will utilize the giftings, you will utilize the callings, you will utilize the placement that his, that his, uh, uh, that he's called you to serve in, that you would be willing to go forth in faith, to sow forward, and, and you cry, Abba, Father, Father, we're committed to you. We're committed to breathe hard after you. We're committed to, to lay claim to what you have ordained from the foundation of the world. Uh, this is our prayer. We want to serve your foundational principles. So this, uh, this verse is astounding. You, you once were people that were estranged from your divine identity. And you were lost and without hope in this world. You really were. And everything's fearful. You see, if, if people who have no hope, you see uh, how, how they respond now. Even when they do have hope and they've been convinced that they don't have hope, they act like the, the sky is falling and they scream and they just depict this fearfulness when you just think, get a grip. Because they don't have, they don't have an identity or, or they, have not, they have not accepted their identity in God. And with that then, they have no hope. And, and everything is a crisis. Everything is fearful. Everything is the sky is falling. And, and God, God doesn't want you to live as if you're estranged from your identity, to be estranged from your eternal home, to be estranged from uh, your, uh, what, what you're called to be, because that puts you in a position of weakness 
and you really can't hope to become anything else. You can, you can fill your life with all kinds of financial success and, and uh, power in the natural, but yet at heart, you, you in the deepest place of who you are, if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you're, you're still hopeless. And so, but God has given us this spirit of adoption. Our spirit, when we're born again and we say, okay, I don't want to be this other way in bondage. I want to be in right relationship with the Father, calling upon Him, praying, and I want to fulfill what He's ordained for me to be as a son, as a huios. And I, I want to be functioning in the tetheme He's given me to fulfill without uh, any, any detriment exactly what He wants me to be in the place exactly where He wants me to serve. And, and that's, that's really where Paul through the Spirit, leads us. And it says, look look what it says. Verse 16, tell me if this doesn't mean what it says. The Spirit itself. Now, we used to argue about this in, in, in uh, Bible college. And they'd say, well, this, 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 we can't worship. We can't say, I love you, Holy Spirit, because he doesn't even identify himself here. It's itself. And people would just say that, and nothing, it was almost like, it was almost like something just clanged off the wall when I'd hear that, and I'd think, this is nuts. And if they just looked to see that this is atos, and it, it, it means to be alongside and to bear witness with. So the Spirit, God's Spirit, is alongside us with what? Our Spirit. Our Spirit. That we are the children of God. That is as clear as it can be. And, you know, and then other times, Christians, when I say this thing, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm saying something really strange, and they almost feel like I'm being sacrilegious to say it. How, how can it be a problem for Jesus, fully God, to communicate with the Father? How can that be a problem? Well, it can't be, because God can do anything. How can it be a problem for God to put a deposit of his spirit within each of us that gives us life and really generates our identity, and yet we can then commune with the spirit of God without? How can that be a problem? It is not a problem. It's not confusing. How can you have the spirit of God within you and then be told to keep on being filled with the spirit? And how can you have the spirit of God within you and then the spirit of the Lord fills a place and everybody is on their face because they can't move because of the Spirit of the Lord. God can do anything. So when it says the Spirit is alongside and is in agreement with our spirit, that is not a contradiction. It's just the way things are. You're going to have to, and I'm going to have to, give an account before God as to what we've done with this great gift that God put within us that has become born again through the blood of Jesus. And I don't want to live without a, the sense of divine identity that God has given me. Because, you know what? That's, that's one of the greatest strengths we have. I would say it's the greatest, but then we could argue semantics. The greatest of these is agape. Well, what's that? <laughs> what's that? That's to go after God and to say, I want your will more than anything. So to me, that's kind of a synonymous thing. But I've said this before, that our calling that God has given to you and to me, 
There have been so many times when we have been faced with daunting obstacles or oppositions that would come, and something would well up from deep within me that was said, you know, this isn't about Ron. This isn't about the 15 verses that I can quote right now. This isn't about me having a prayer chain of people all praying. This isn't about whether I've fasted for the last month. This is about the divine calling that God has given this to us. And nothing is going to overcome that. This is God's identity. This is what God wants. And so fear has to go. Phobos has to go. It's not going to eliminate us. It's not going to destroy us. It's not going to do us irreparable damage. And, and that's, that, that identity in God is a priceless point of freedom. You know, it's a priceless point of freedom. I mentioned that we were going to look at another famous verse, a real stem winder as it is, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. You all know this. Uh, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, let's look at it through the same lens that we've looked at already in this message. When did God give his spirit to you initially? Well, from the foundation of the world. And when little Nathan was born and he had life, and uh, that's due to the spirit of God within him. Uh, Before he even memorized a verse or spoke in tongues, the spirit of God was in him. When he accepted Christ Jesus, that spirit became active and alive only through the blood of Jesus. So to me, um, and, and, and think about this, this scripture is not just for all of us Pentecostals. There's a lot of churches that don't believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. How do they interpret this? How do they interpret this? I mean, are they talking back to, I was there when it happened and I spoke in tongues and I got it, brother? For them, that's something they don't think is really real. So what spirit did God give them? You see, whether we're moving in the deeper things of the spirit or we're just kind of in the shadow lands of Christianity, the point is that every one of us has been given the spirit from God. What we do with it then if we accept Christ and then we allow that to be developed, is up to us. And this verse talks about that development. And here it uses the, verb, the, ver, um, the word, not phobos, but a word that means to be timid, a word that means to be tentative. In fact, this same word is used in Revelation 21.8 where, where it's listing sorcerers and all kinds of other despicable uh, individuals. And this is the first term there. God's going to judge those that are timid. And really what this means is, you know, you don't, want to, you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to step out in faith at all. I mean, you know, I, I, I've got what I've got. And if I obey you here, God, I'm going to lose it all. So I'll just stand over here and look pious. And I'm not going to do anything that puts me at risk at all. God has not given our spirit that kind of capacity. We just learned that our spirit is to be a son, 
Our spirit is to function in the tetheme power of the spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And when you begin to cry, Abba, Father, God is regularly going to give you directives where you have to step out of the boat onto the water. And if you say no, then um, you know what the Scripture says is that um, that which is without faith is sin. And if you're not moving in faith, you're not pleasing God. Those are scriptures. We ought to read them sometime. So this is God has not caused our spirit that he gave to us to dwell that way. Well, what are the three things? Power, love, sound mind. Well, let's think about that in the lens of the way we've been interpreting this. First of all, dunamis is function, isn't it? As we've talked about the power words, dunamis is the function of something. It's, uh, you go out and when Dennis used to have his Mustang and that, that baby would fire up, you know, it, there would be some heat generated and, and you knew that car was going to move when you hit the pedal. And, uh, or, or is that just when Tammy was driving? Um, <laughs> her and Bing Crosby, you got to watch out for them. So, you know, but, but function, that kind of power is everything in place and in function. So, God doesn't want your spirit dwelling in, you know, being timid and not, you know, I don't know if I can go there. He wants you functioning. Power. What else? He wants you moving in agape, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He wants you moving in agape to, to where you are aligned with the throne because that's where your, God's spirit is bearing witness with your spirit as a son. And then what we've been learning over the past year and a half is that if, if your spirit is active and you are doing all the things that Scripture says you're supposed to do, then that's going to affect your affection and that's going to affect your perception. And you're going to understand things. That's the term. Remember, friend, froneo. Um, you're going to understand things that are beyond the natural mind because it's your spirit that is generating that understanding. So that's where your sound mind comes from. God has not given your spirit to dwell in tentative uh, non-function. He wants you to function. He wants you to be engaged to do the will of the Father, and he wants you to begin to think that way. He wants your affections to be registered in that way. He wants you to be able to perceive things through that way. Because remember what we've studied in the Scripture. This isn't from some uh, stone tablets we found buried under a tree. This is from the Scripture that if, if, if we are not functioning as spirit beings before the Lord, our affections will not be what they should be, and our understandings will be lacking. Isn't that true? So God did not give you this type of, uh, give you the vitality of his spirit for you to not function, for you to not be engaged in the will of the Father, and for you to be thinking all kinds of crazy thoughts and blown about by every wind of doctrine. Does that make sense? So if we really want to be free and not be estranged from the identity that God has given us, we, we need to really say to the Father, 
I rebuke any measure of a spirit of bondage. And, and I, I welcome that spirit of adoption, which is basically, I'm a son and I now have capacities that God has ordained. I love that. And that's why the Spirit caused that to be aligned with holiness. Because when you say, I'm going to minister alongside the hagias, the angels of God, the holy angels of God, and you say, I'm devoting myself to the walk of the saints, which is essentially that I'm going to do whatever I can to partner with God, that his will from the foundation of the world will be done, you're, you're going to have to be functioning as a son, and you're going to have to sow into that participation all the things that God put into you for you to be. That makes perfect sense to me. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, when I was doing all that study for a couple of seminars ago where we were talking about the progressives and how that they uh, were opening themselves to all kinds of doctrines, really doctrines of devils, many of them, not all of them, but many of them. And I was studying about how our government and the medical community came together uh, to discover to try to discover initially how different psychedelic, psychedelic drugs might bring about healing for people. And there were, there were initial points of, of uh, experiment. I'm going somewhere with this. There were initial points of experiment where people that would be on certain kinds of drugs who had emotional problems or who were really uh, battling with different types of maladies of the mind, where they would kind of be opened into an, 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 another point of perception, and many of them who were, were very fearful, they were filled with anxiety, they would, this is what's chronicled, I mean, there were some uh, Freedom of Information Act things with the CIA and some of the other um, intelligent groups in the U.S. were stating that several of these people who were filled with anxiety to, to a really chronic situation would view what they were, I guess, in spirit, and they would see in the core of their body a black spot or a black square that would be attached, they would say, many of them would say this independently, it was a, it was a blind study, they would see that, and they would, in the midst of that hallucinogen, they would tell that thing to go, and, and through that process, when they came out of that drug-induced uh, revelatory experience, they were healed. Now, that's very interesting. I mean, I'm not advocating that kind of thing, but I thought that it was interesting. None of these people had any other kind of illness, None of these people had any kind of malady, but they, they, would, they would see that, and they knew that it was fear. They knew that it was fear, and it seemed to be right at the core of who we are, where we believe the Spirit resides. And that's why, perhaps, so many people who have anxiety or who are fearful or whatever, they'll have digestive problems, probably. I'm not trying to make too much of this, but what I'm saying is fear... Uh, in, according to what this study commissioned by our government, and then it just kind of went crazy, you know, free love, you know, all these hallucinogens out, you know, tune out, turn on, you know, that, all that craziness from the 60s. They identified that 
fear would seem to attach right in the core and that it would create problems. And the core, though, we know is the base of the spirit. So I'm not asking you to come up to the altar and let's cast out these things. But I'm saying that you need to recognize that the root of fear and the apprehension that some of you may face is, is a direct attack of, toward what your identity is in God. And if, if you think that, you know, you're just calling out to God, oh, God, come and help me, or I'm so afraid about this, or I'm so afraid about that, what God really wants to do is instill in you the truth of you being a son and you being gifted by God for this brief window of time we have on this earth to serve him. And from that point, you can not be timid and you can not be fearful. You know, the scripture, another scripture says, perfect love, agape, casts out, balo, throws out fear. It's not that you counsels out fear. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say perfect love will negotiate with fear or perfect love will counsel you so fear has no effect. It doesn't say any of that, does it? Cast out means cast out. Perfect love casts out fear. When you're committed to the agape, which is what the second part of what Paul said our spirit should be engaged in, there's, there's an injection of fear because fear can't correspond with that. I mean, if you're in the spirit of, if your spirit is engaged in bondage where you're separated from God, then you're fearful. But when you enter into the spirit of adoption and you, you be, say, God's called me to be a son and I'm going to function in the tatemi of the gifts and the placement that he's given me, then you don't have fear. These are just verses we've just read. So I would ask you to really, first of all, on this Independence Weekend, thank God for, for his identity in you. And, you know, like what Kelly was singing earlier, thank God I'm a son. Thank God I'm a chosen one. Thank God for that. You know, we talked about it recently. That was the first set of teachings for the Brazilians. Well, how do you go from being a babe in Christ along that process of being to becoming a joint heir? How do you become someone that is really functioning as a son? And we need to thank God for giving us the privilege of being able to see his word and to serve him at the throne, our father, to serve our father uh, as sons. We need to thank our Lord Jesus, who uh, we, we readily look to. Um, and that, that term was used to describe in, in, in Homer's writings, not Homer and Jethro, but in some of the earliest Greek, to describe how they believed gods came to earth and you could see them and then you could learn through them. We need to recognize that Jesus patterned for us and made a way for us to serve as sons. And, and we need to know that that's the truth of all truths. And, and if there's anything that we're fearful of, if there's anything that we're troubled by, if there's anything that we are uh, timid about, you know, the enemy tried to infuse that, didn't he, over these past couple of years. Well, you better not go do that. Because if you do, you're going to keel over. And then after you keel over, they're going to stick a tube down your mouth. And once you get on that tube, you're gone. You're dead. 
And did we not hear that incessantly? Now, I'm not saying just be goofy and throw caution to the wind. You've got to be wise. And you see, that's another factor here. I'm not suggesting that you just go uh, as so many of the, of the errant kings in uh, the history of Israel who just went out and did whatever they wanted to do and expected God to cover them, you know? God prophesied this, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to attack the Egyptians right now on my own. Well, God didn't say go and count the Egyptians, encounter the Egyptians right now. And you're dead, you know? So we don't want to be bodacious where we just kick it and take names and say, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You've got to be directed by the Lord. But if God's speaking to you and says go, don't say, well, you know, I I know what God's saying, but I just don't think I can do that, man. I'm just, uh, I have a check in my spirit about that. Well, you need to cast that check out. <laughs> That's another thing. There's no scripture that says cast that check out. But um, we need to. That, that was so funny when, when God was initially leading us into the, the, the identity of being saints. Many of you were here then. And um, some people were troubled by it, you know, fanning through this to try to find some way that we weren't teaching the word. And um, so many of the people who were really, I can just say this, who were resisting what God was trying to say to them would say that. I've got a check in my spirit about it, which I then said a check in the spirit often uh, precludes a check in the offering plate, which is really true. Uh, that, that principle bears out. That was one of Aesop's brother's fables. I mean, that, that, that really was really true. But we need to cast that out because, you know, there have been times where, man, I remember, I don't want to go too far. It's, it's, it's afternoon. De Bev's getting hungry. Um, uh, we, we, uh, I remember when <laughs> some of the trips that God was asking us to take, and we went on all of them. Initially, when we received the invitation to a couple of these places, I would think, okay, Lord, you know, I'll go. Man, I really don't want to go there. I don't. Man, it's spooky things that are happening there. And, and, but we went anyway. And there's always going to be some boogeyman that will say, you know, sin crouches at the door. When God tell, asks you to do what is tobe, sin's crouching at the door to try to say, don't go through this. Or how dare he ask you to do that? I mean, you, you, got, a, you got a bum assignment here. What about this guy over here? He's got a better assignment. Or this, this is totally against what I was trained to do. You know, I, I, grow, grow, I grow things out of the ground. You want a blood sacrifice? I, I, I can't do that. Don't negotiate with God. Don't do it, because God has no pleasure in that. But it all has to do with how God has liberated your spirit through Christ. And that's where your freedom is. That's, that's where your freedom is. And from that base, your commune with God is established. And from that base, you then... Are, are positioned 
to welcome a partnership with God that's beyond anything that you would otherwise know. And so that should cast out timidity. That should cast out phobos. And that should empower us all to believe God for uh, what he has said. Whose report will you believe? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I mean, you can believe the report that, no, no, I don't want to go there. Uh, no, 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 you know, that, uh, this, this over here says that if I do this, I'm going to lose everything. Whose report will you believe? Cast out the wrong report, believe God. So I end today by saying, uh, we've heard a lot of testimonies about how God has intervened recently, and he always is so faithful. But I don't know what it is you're facing. Some of you may just be uh, in, uh, in a wonderful point of repose and blessing, and you're not being challenged by anything. I praise God for that. But some of you may be facing an obstacle. Some of you may be facing some kind of thing that is threatening. And go before the Lord, but go before him, not as a beggar, but as a son. Go before him. And commune with him on the basis of what he's called you to be, what he's called you to do, and what, what he's given you. That is your point of confidence. And God, God will, first of all, cast out fear. And, uh, well, you'll be casting out fear. The jury's out uh, as to how fear is actually what arm really throws it out of there? I just kind of think that when you begin to function as God wants you to function, fear finds it has no place, and it flees, or it dissipates. Um, but, but the point, though, is, is that you have, to, you have to be functioning as a son. You have to be letting your spirit that God gave you breathe and commune with God and cry Abba and pray in the spirit and, and uh, study the, through through the, the, the power of the divine author, uh, the Word of God. And uh, that strengthening, you know, it's just like anything else. Light will drive away darkness. And when the light comes, darkness flees away. When uh, the enemy comes in one way, when you're moving in the seven spirits of God, the enemy flees as in terror. When you take a stand and God arises, the enemy is scattered. So, um, the, I guess what I'm saying is that these verses say how powerful it is for you to be functioning as a son and for you to be brought back into right relationship with what God called you to be from the foundation of the world. You may not understand all of it. Nobody does. We'll always be learning that throughout eternity because God is so wonderfully immense. But the point is you begin and you let that partnership with God in obedience be your strength. And, and fear, you have to make sure that it's not, if, it, if, there's, if there is trepidation, you need to view that from your identity in God, the God-given identity. If there's timidity that would try to restrict you from obeying, you need to view that from what God has called you to be. And see what happens. See what happens. If some 
primitive form of LSD could cause a, a non-born-again person to tell fear to go and it goes away? How much more can you, through the power of the Most High God, through the blood of Jesus, through His identity given to you, say to fear, be gone from me. I am a son of the Most High God. And that's freedom. That's freedom. People who don't know their identity or who surrender it willingly are adrift. But people who are functioning are strong in the Lord because that's his identity. Amen? So, no spirit of fear, spirit of adoption, Abba, power, agape, sound mind. That's yours. Father, thank you for the ultimate freedom. We celebrate as Americans. We're so grateful to you. We bless the United States of America. We speak blessing and thanks over this country. There are yet things that you want to do through this land that you have prophesied. And we will not allow the enemy through his cursing and his strife to uh, change the times that are divinely ordained. So we bless the United States of America. And we thank you, Father, for the freedom that we enjoy as Americans. But most of all, we thank you for the freedom that you've given to us through Christ Jesus, through your word, to be sons and to function as sons in partnership with you. And if anyone in this house or within the sound or the, the video of this meeting is dealing with phobias and fears or dealing with measures of uh, timidity that is not from God, there's a difference between timidity and humility. We don't want timidity. Uh, we rebuke those things now, and we ask for an infusion of the spirit of sonship, holiness, and thank you for that power. Set your people free and let us walk in freedom. And for this, we're so grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for making this possible. And we ask all of these things in your wonderful name, above all names. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you all. And um, Nathan, your royalty check will be in the mail for me using you as an illustration earlier. Uh, God bless you. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful holiday.